Welcome to Just a Podcast, where something as simple as just a podcast, God somehow uses in amazing ways. I'm your host, Ethan Russell. If you'd like to support us, you can go to yono.com. That's Y-O-W-K-N-O.com. We got all kinds of merch, previous episodes you may have missed, as well as bonus content you can only find on yono.com. Thank you for stopping by and enjoy the episode. your boy Ethan Russell here and today once again we got ourselves an amazing episode. Today it is over a life fulfilled. Now I know this is kind of different if y'all haven't noticed. I like to put one word uh, you know is perseverance, reconciliation, entitlement, salvation and just focus on that word. Well this one's a little bit different because I was going to focus on life but then it kind of came to the point where, well, there's no life without it being fulfilled. And then take a step back, what is a life fulfilled? And that's really the concept that we're going to be attacking today. So rather than just focusing on what life means, which is a huge word in the Bible, you know, you can look at life, uh, the life of, life of God, the life of humans, the life of animals, the life of just non-living things. There's a life in everything and, you know, how God orchestrates it. We could do that, but that would easily be like a five-hour episode uh, pinpointing every single thing. So what I'm going to be talking about today specifically is a life fulfilled. All right. So our we're going to kind of wrap around a lot of different Bible verses. I'm not actually going to be talking that much. Uh, I'm more so going to be just simply reading straight from the Bible. Uh, I think that is more beneficial in something like this. Um, I think a lot of people will say, okay, well this, if I die today, this, this is what I want in my life. This is what my life to be. And I think we, we need to stay, take a step back and realize, okay, but what does the Bible say? We, we all have our own thought of what is good. Of course, for me as a Christian, I believe what is good is obviously Jesus Christ, but also the 10 commandments, you know, what is morally right, the 10 commandments, of course, some of those are taken away. Uh, for example, we don't make sacrifices anymore. Jesus is our sacrifice and other stuff like that. Uh, for God destroyed the law. But at the same time, we follow that law because it's, uh, well, some of those laws, um, you know, honor your mother and father, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery and all other stuff like that. Because those are obviously things that will benefit as you go. They're, they're guiding. There's a way to keep you on the path of righteousness. Of course, that's given through Jesus Christ. Look at my salvation episode for that. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of backtracking now. This episode is over a life fulfilled. And uh, I'm going to start off on Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 34. And this is uh, titled, The Walk of Emmaus. Um, basically, Jesus is walking uh, with these people. And um, he sort of talks about the resurrection and tells them what it's about on the third day of his death. So, you know, this is sort of one of the few people, you know, it's his third day, uh, one of the few people that get to see him alive. Um, and they don't realize it until the very end, which is very interesting. And it, it talks about those people who are slow to heart. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read it and we'll backtrack and talk about that more in depth. Uh, but let's go ahead and get some context in. Again, it's 
Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 34, and I'm reading this in NLT. Alrighty, so the title again is The Walk to Emmaus, starting on verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intensely as you walk along? They stopped a short sadness written across their face. Then one of them, Silopus, you know, I like to butcher names. Silopus, I think that's how I pronounce it, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. They said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus asked, or Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn with us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has risen. He appeared to Peter. And isn't that just crazy, y'all, how... It's this story of how Jesus just appeared to these people walking and it said, are you, they told Jesus, are you the only one who doesn't know about this amazing thing that happened? And it just shows you how slow to heart they were. They had every bit of evidence. Uh, for example, in verse 32, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. 
There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. So then heading on to verse uh, 22, uh, previously explained to Jesus. Then some women from our group of his followers at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. God enacted ways for them to know everything before Jesus even approached them. Yet although knowing the tomb was empty and people were saying Jesus is alive, knowing the prophet's scriptures, which was predicted, for example, if we look in the Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah 53, I'm going to read this whole thing uh, for all your Jews out there who, I mean, just compare and contrast. Isaiah 53 very clearly describes the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I'm not going to say anything besides just read straight from the scripture and you tell me what this prophecy hundreds of years before his death shows. So Isaiah 53, the thing that they were Jesus was talking to them about. Isaiah 53, starting on verse 1. Who has believed our message to whom the Lord revealed him his powerful arm? My servant grew up and the Lord's presence, like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful and majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, a, excuse me, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care yet it was our weakness he carried it was our sorrows the weight that weighed him down and we thought his troubles were a punishment from god a punishment for his own sins but he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins he was beaten so we could be whole he was whipped so we could be healed all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led astray. No one cared that he would that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. He was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, and he had never deceived 
anyone. He and, but he was buried like a criminal. And he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honor of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. You see, Jesus explained these very verses in purses, not to not revealing himself. Like he, if we go back to Luke twenty four twenty seven, then Jesus took them them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This includes Isaiah fifty three, the verse I just let you. Could you imagine walking with Jesus, not knowing it's Jesus because your heart is slow? And you don't notice him and you doubt him. You doubt everything about it, no matter the prophecies, no matter all this. And at the same time, have Jesus himself next to you, the one you're doubting, explaining these verses. Again, Luke 24, chapter 24, verses 27. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the thing concerning himself. Yet in Luke chapter 24, 32 through 34, it says, They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. This message, this is a message to fools and the slow of heart. Imagine how fulfilling it would have been if they knew that he was Jesus, the rising son of God, and the Lord himself was before them explaining all their questions. One person can change the world by giving people hope. So if you want to change the world, start singing when you're up to the neck in mud. Don't let your struggles prevent your glory to be shown to others. Just like Jesus, it said it was only after his death that he started showing himself to others, that his glory was shown. We see that right there in chapter 24. I forget where it is, but right there, it literally uses the word glory. Don't let your struggles prevent your glory to be shown to others. Why would you doubt God's plan when he has explained everything you need to know, you're not entitled to know his plan, as I said in episode 9. But guess what? He has given you everything you need. Your vision, your hope, your godly desire of a blessing that God has so intentionally put a fire in your heart for a very intentional reason will happen. He ex has explained all you need to know. 
he has explained all the prophecies of your destined promised land flowing with milk and honey. He is beside you right now, just like he was beside those walking to the village. Why should your eyes not be open and realizing the God who overcame death and the sins of the world now is on your side for no other reason but of grace and mercy? You don't deserve it, yet eternal life and hope is your gift before you are even blessed with your holy desire in your heart to be given. As I said in episode one, when I started this podcast, your promise God has given you, whatever that is, is actually a vision. When God so clearly shows you the trust of the future, why should you doubt like those in Luke chapter 24? And if we move on to the stoning of Stephen, I'm going to read uh, in Acts chapter 7, uh, specifically verses 37 through 60. If you want, you can go ahead and read the entire chapter, which I do recommend because it's kind of a summary for anyone who doesn't really understand uh, the Old Testament and its correlation with the New Testament and Jesus Christ's resurrection. Uh, literally, Stephen's last word, uh, well, for example, if we look at the chapter of, uh, or Acts chapter 7, the title of that is Stephen addresses the council. So he's before all the leaders, the people who decided to crucify Jesus. And here he's explaining the correlation between the Old Testament and the New Testament and what the heck Jesus has to do with it all. And uh, I'm going to start on verse 37 because I don't really plan on reading the entirety of that correlation, but I highly recommend it. Even if you do understand these concepts of what the correlation is between Old Testament and New Testament, highly recommend it uh, because this will definitely give you an understanding. Um, and you will get a, a lot just from me reading from 37 to 60. Uh, that's almost 30 verses or 20, 20-ish verses. Uh, it's a lot, so I'm just going to go ahead and read. Uh, so starting on verse 37, again, this is Acts chapter 7 and again, NLT. You guys know I like NLT, just my preferred version. But anyways, go ahead and starting on verses 37. Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Moses was with our ancestors, the assembly of God's people in the wilderness when the angel spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And there Moses received life-giving words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us some gods who can lead us, for we don't know what has become of this Moses who brought us out of Egypt. So they made an idol shaped like a calf, and they sacrificed to it and celebrated over this thing they had made. Then God turned away from them and abandoned them to serve the stars of the heavens as their gods. In the book of the prophets it is written, Was it to me you were bringing sacrifices and offerings during those forty years in the wilderness, Israel? No, you carried your pagan gods, the shrine of Molech, the stars of your god Raphan, you know I like to butcher names, and the images you made to worship them. So I will send you into exile 
as far away as Babylon. So, ans- so all right, starting on verse 44, our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed according to the plan God had shown to the Moses. Years later, when Joshua led our ancestors into battle against the nations that God drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into their new territory, and it stayed there until the time of King David. David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Can you build me a temple as good as that? Asked the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both the heaven and earth? You stubborn people. You are a heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. And when he says that, that is Stephen uh, pointing at the people who crucified Christ. He's like, he's pointing to all these past events in the Old Testament and say, hey, this was the prediction of what you guys currently just did three days ago with uh, Jesus. Uh, Actually, it might be a little bit more than three days. I don't know the whole time span. But either way, he's pointing to the people who literally just said, crucify him, crucify him, and sent him to death. And now he's saying, hey, here is the correlation with the whole Old Testament. And then he continues on. Normally people just stop, but he continues on. And he's, he, he, is, he don't care. He has a fire in him, and he's going to say what the Lord has told him to say. So starting on verse 52, name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the one who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah who you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law even though you received it from the hands of angels. And then on verse 54, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fist at him in rage, which, by the way, rage is a sin. Anger isn't a sin, but rage is a sin. And now on verse 55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. He And he told them, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul, which that in of itself is a whole story, but you know, you just look up Saul and then search Paul and you can get that whole story. I mean, if anything, that's the biggest miracle right there. I mean, Paul, who literally right here, it says they put, you know, they basically glorified uh, Saul at this time. Like, Hey, like, this is what needs to happen, and you're the man to do it. And yet this man who is literally 
destined to do that, now all of a sudden steps back and writes more than half the New Testament, which is just absolutely crazy. And his heart turns to God and all that amazing stuff. Uh, but finishing on verse 59 and 60, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, or sorry, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. And I would say of the many verses that I'm going to go over through this uh, episode, this is by far the, the biggest one that we see because it, it grabs all these things from different episodes I made. It grabs all these things within the Bible. It, it, it combines it down. And then it's just like, okay, here you go, Pharisees. How do you like this? And they were so enraged and entitled and so filled with absolute rage, which it said, that they stoned Stephen for telling them the truth. I mean, and it even says like, hey, you're going to stone me. You're going to stone Jesus just like you guys did with every other prophet who predicted these things. Like, that's just, that's just crazy to me. And I'm like, can we just acknowledge also that these were Stephen's last words. This chapter, this whole chapter is Stephen's last words. Like anytime you look at someone's last words, that means significance right there. So that in of itself shows you how significantly important this chapter is. Like these are Stephen's last word. And that's not even the craziest part. See, this is the only time in the Bible where it says, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Every other time it says he was sitting, but this time it says he was standing. The Son of Man standing in a place of honor at God's right hand. If you don't know what this symbolizes, every king sits at their throne, but when at, when a right hand sits or sorry, stands, it is really a big deal. It means you are telling the throne the significance of this matter. That means Jesus Christ stood with intention. He wasn't standing like every other time the Son of Man is mentioned in the Bible. He is standing, and in my personal opinion, he is standing applauding Stephen for a life fulfilled with Jesus Christ. And I, I guess I was supposed to say that at the end, but guys, like seriously, a life fulfilled is a life filled with Jesus Christ. Does this not clearly show what a life fulfilled is, right? Had it not been for Stephen, the people would not have been scattered and the word of God would not have grown so rapidly around the world. If we even look at the next chapter, this was chapter 7. Just looking at the very next chapter, excuse me, Acts chapter 8, specifically verses 1 through 4. It says right here, Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. And then the uh, title of these verses right here is, or these next couple of verses is, Persecution Scatters the Believers. And it says right here, a great wave of persecution began that day. That day. A great wave of persecution began that day. Sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles 
were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going to everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. And then on verse 4, Philip preaches in Samaria, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. And let me just tell you a fun fact, a modern fun fact. There is a country with 48,000 mosques and not one church building, ranked number three behind North Korea and Somalia on the Open Doors World Watch List of countries where Christian persecution is most severe, is listed by Operation Worlds as the country with the second fastest growing church in the world. That country is Afghanistan. Right now, as y'all know, Afghanistan is being persecuted greatly, right? And yet, here we see persecution scatters people. And I think and know that that's very intentional. Had it not been for the persecution of Stephen and the persecution of the people in Afghanistan and throughout the world in China and all these places. China, I forget the statistic there, but I think they're definitely like number two or number th- or number four, somewhere around there. Definitely top ten. I know that for a fact. And growing Christian communities. And yet they're being persecuted and killed for being Christian. How do you explain that? Well, you explain that because one, it's truthful. Two, you got God on your side. And three, when you have persecution, people run. But they run believing in Jesus Christ. You wouldn't believe in something and pursue that thing. How do you believe that it's, or how do you not believe? That's one of the whole things against the Bible, or sorry, against atheism and people who go against the Bible, right? Why would someone who is being persecuted, who has nothing to gain besides heaven, and literally, like, just those two things, just those two things, why in the world would they lose their family, lose all these things for a belief if it was a lie? Yet here it is that proves it to be true. And not only so, when you move and you believe something so devoutly that you're giving your life to Christ, a life fulfilled, guess what? You're scattering that exact message because you're not afraid to share the message. Rather, you're just running so you can stay alive longer and pers- or stay alive longer and spread the gospel more. And when that gospel spreads, because it's truth, it spreads like wildfire. And there may not be a single church in Afghanistan, but guess what? That is a growing country in Christianity. And same thing when Stephen was killed. When you scatter the people, the Christians, that's very intentional by God. Because had it not been for the scattering of Christians, the Christian community could have very easily stayed within Israel for way too long and it would have died down and maybe forgotten forever. But that was not God's plan. God's plan was so everyone could know. If we read our very first Bible verses um, where he was talking to the people while walking, it said right there, are you the only one in Israel not to know what has happened? So very clearly, when these people in Israel... Had, or Jerusalem had to depart from Jerusalem 
almost every one of those people at least knew what this was. They may not have believed it, but they knew what was going on the last three days. And when they scattered, that scattered across the nations and across the countries, went all the way up to Europe and Greece, where the, the Bible was started to be written in Greek. Why? Because that's where it went. It went across the entire world. And if we look at even historical documents, guess what? There's chances that that even went across all the way over to uh, North America and South America before, you know, the discovery of the new world, if we look into our history books. But that's a whole different story. Had it not been for Stephen, these things probably never would have happened. And that right there is a life fulfilled. And even though that was a promise to Stephen and many others that the word of God that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, guess what? That happened when he died. But that promise and that fire inside him was fulfilled. And if you don't believe me, let's go ahead and just look a little bit down in the exact same chapter. Chapter 8, or sorry, Acts chapter 8, 29 through 39. The exact same chapter right here, it says on verse 29, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of the scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And then it says the, oh, I'm going to mispronounce that. The Enrut, Enkrutch, Eukrutch, asked Philip, I don't even know what that is. Asked Philip, tell me what the prophet talking about himself or someone, or sorry, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news of Jesus Christ. As they rode along, they came to some water. And the Enrich said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The Enrich never saw him again, but went on his own way rejoicing and although i know i don't know how to pronounce that name as many others let me tell you something that's very clearly what happens when you follow god's will and you know like god was so happy what stephen did even though it took his life and even though you know he he said on his knees hey you know don't let this sin you know condemn this don't don't let that he rather than see the grace and mercy of christ while he's dying, being stoned to death, even though they themselves literally said they covered their ears and shouted because they didn't want to hear anything. Like, that's just beautiful. You see, it's not money, fame, a job, a marriage, or anything that will perish with this world that makes you a fulfilled life. It's none of that. All that stuff perishes with this world. Rather, a life fulfilled is a life filled with the name of Jesus Christ. For it's one thing to know the prophecies, the stories, to know all of the things, 
but it's another to believe it. That's why I mentioned that, that walk with Jesus. They knew of all these things. They had complete knowledge of it, but it wasn't until they had Jesus Christ enter their heart until God opened himself and frankly forcibly because they wouldn't see him until they're like, oh my gosh, this is the Jesus of Nazareth. The, the second they believed it, that's when it was changing. You see, you can know and you can have all these things. You can have the absolute knowledge of everything that happened with Christ. And more so, you can be rich. You can have a beautiful marriage, a beautiful job. You know, all these things that we as humans naturally desire. But if you don't believe in Christ, whether poor or rich or whatever, whatever your status is, skin color, whatever, you don't believe it. I mean, that, that's just a whole new ballgame. A fulfilled life is a life filled with the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to go ahead and finish off this episode. Uh, again, still staying in Acts, but I'm going to follow or finish it off with Acts chapter 19. Uh, chapter th- or sorry, verses 13 through 17. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sakova, uh, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all throughout Ephraim, the Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. And just in the next verses of Acts, again, chapter 19, but 18 through 20, it says, many who became, many who became believers, meaning they already believed in Jesus, confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. You see, it's you can be a Jew and still cast out demons in Jesus' name. I said that in in uh, my salvation episode. You can do you can cast out demons. You can literally cast out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. But if you don't believe in him, if you don't have, if you're not filled with the name of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you right now, it is not going to work out for you as proven here. As it said, even the believers confess their sinful practices after hearing this, right? Because they believed it. And now when they hear this, that happened to Jews, people who don't even believe in Jesus Christ, but you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, whom they believe is a prophet of some type. Um, and that would also be Muslims considered who believe that they that he was a prophet and, and his name could cast out demons. They were terrified. And it says right there, and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was greatly honored. 
And obviously, it had a powerful effect. On verse 20, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect, which also goes back to my previous tidbit of how, you know, suffering and things that are very terrible, obviously this is a very terrible thing, God has a very intentional purpose for because the message about the Lord spread widely had a powerful effect. And I bet you money, those Jews who tried to cast out the demons, those priests who tried to cast out demons thought twice about doing it in Jesus' name. Moving on to Matthew chapter 10, 28 through 39, says, Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both your soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. About And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Verse 32. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or your or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Like, come on, y'all. Like, that is so clear and straight to the point of what a life fulfilled is. Right there. Don't focus on the things in your world. Your sons and daughters, your family, everything in this world, it's all going to perish. Right? It says right there. Who can destroy both your soul and body in hell? Right? Christ, or God. Right? But it says right there, if you are, where, where is it here? If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. You see, a life fulfilled is not not all these things, even things that are very cling-worthy, right? Clinging to your daughter, father, you know, the, these very intimate relationships that you have with, with people and who should stay intimate and who you should continue to love for very obvious reasons it's not saying abandon them it's not saying dishonor your mother and father not at all rather it's saying christ your relationship with christ which by the way was another one of my episodes right relationships just my last episode relationship with christ and the way you interact with him right but if you give up your life for me you will find it a life fulfilled is a life 
given to Christ. A life fulfilled is a life filled with Christ. I don't know how much more I can stress that. I, I went over all these Bible verses, and I know even after I finish this episode, people will still go about in their normal ways. And they'll tell their sons and daughters do sinful things or things that probably aren't the best idea. Uh, say, go and lie because of this. I need a cheaper check on this thing. Say I wasn't, uh, when, when you talk to my boss, don't tell him I was, you know, I wasn't sick, you know, doing some fun with my kids because I love my kids, right? It, it's not that, y'all. Like, all this stuff will perish. Your son and daughter, all this, all these things will perish. Your relationship with Christ should be so much more intimate and so much more than anything else on this earth. And I'm just going to finish off saying that last verse again. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. My name is Ethan Russell. See you in the next episode. Have a good one. Did you like what you heard? Well, you can always head on over to yono.com and tell us what you think. We also got previous episodes, bonus content, and merch if you would like to support us. So head on over to yono.com. That's Y-O-W-K-N-O.com. Also, don't forget to repost this, like this, and add this to your favorite plays. Thank you for listening and have a good day.